This morning, earlier, when I uh, we were at the 8 o'clock service and the readings were being read, uh, we got to the end of the first reading from Isaiah, which is somewhat lengthy. And the reader said, They shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I thought, boy, am I glad I am not in Philadelphia today. (laughs) Of all days. Oh, my goodness. It's bad enough on a regular day (laughs) with that. But uh, I'm sure, and there are already memes going around Facebook and other places predicting that uh, the Lord's favor is upon the Philadelphia Eagles today. So we shall see. But um, I am grateful for the uh, peace and quiet of Tuxedo on this particular day, especially. And in that Old Testament reading, though, Isaiah is uh, conveying God's message to the people, which, of course, is the job of the prophets. God can't speak directly to the people, or in the Old Testament tradition, did not speak directly to the people, but really through these mouthpieces called the prophets. And Isaiah tells the people of God's uh, great strength and great love for them and his many promises. We know that Isaiah is uh, the prophet who most clearly foretells the coming of Christ. Of course, this is many centuries before the time of Christ. But nevertheless, he is the one who begins to foretell that coming. And then, of course, John the Baptist tells people that one is coming who is greater than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And in this season of Epiphany, as I have said to you before, we focus on the manifestation of Christ to the world. In today's uh, Gospel reading, he goes out, well, he goes to uh, a home And Simon's mother-in-law is sick. He heals her, but not only her, he heals many people and casts out many demons. And we remember the story from last week where Jesus also cast out a demon in the synagogue and the demon uh, sort of outs him there. He says, I know who you are, Jesus of Nazareth. You are the Holy One of God. Have you come to destroy us? And so as if to prevent that happening again, When Jesus casts out these demons, he forbids them to speak his name. But having done all that, having healed and cast out demons, he goes off to pray. And we we know a number of times in the scriptures that that Jesus needs some alone time, needs some time to just be apart and to pray and to concentrate on what God's will is for him. Because I can imagine with... He could have easily um, whipped up a crowd, don't you think? He was uh, known to be a healer, known to be someone who could, uh, who could make things happen for you. He could have used that to his own advantage. He could have built up uh, a great army of followers who would have done anything for him, I think. But you see, when he performs this miracle and, and others like it, he withdraws. And then the disciples are, always, are sort of at their wit's end trying to find him. And so they go and hunt for him and find him. And he says, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. 
And so they go throughout Galilee proclaiming the message in, syn- in the synagogues, and it says, uh, casting out demons. And then St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. It's one that uh, I, I think many uh, priests especially shudder when we read Paul very, uh, very easily proclaiming that he has become all things to all people which uh, is not uh, an easy task to accomplish for anyone. It's really nearly impossible. But what he's saying, I think, is not... I I don't think he's boasting about his own perfection, but he's trying to underscore the point that he has gone to meet people where they are. His job in life is to make disciples of Christ, is to proclaim Christ's gospel. And what he says uh, is that he does not like... Jesus himself did not exploit his power and his place. Paul tries to do the same thing. Of course, Paul is a human man. But what he's saying is that he was one of Jesus' chosen. And he has received the gospel truth. He too, I think, could use that to his own advantage, but he doesn't. And like Jesus, he empties himself and takes the form of a servant. And he goes out into all the world, meeting all different types of people to, to bring God's message of salvation and love to them. And what was that great commission that Jesus gave to his disciples, that great commission that spurred them to go to the far corners of the earth? It was to go into all the world and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so, like those disciples of old, the church has continued this commandment to this very day. And indeed, today, here at St. Mary's, we are very joyful that, we, that uh, this beautiful sacrament will be carried out in just a few moments. It's one of the two sacraments that we have that we know Jesus himself actually participated in. He was baptized in the River Jordan by his cousin John, and he instituted the Holy Eucharist on what we now call Maundy Thursday at the Last Supper. And so baptism really is key. It really is the basis, the foundation of what we do as Christians. It's the one thing that unites us, really, one to another and with God, It is about going into the waters like Jesus went into the tomb and coming out refreshed and resurrected like Jesus did as well. It's about dying to sin and being born to eternal life. It's about grafting ourselves onto the family tree of God. And so when we baptize, we take it very, very seriously. And in our tradition, we do baptize Uh, young babies. And we know that the babies obviously cannot speak for themselves yet, and they have a lot of growing and learning to do, which is why we have the sponsors or the godparents. And that's a very serious responsibility. Um, It's not, uh, of course, it's a lovely day. It's a lovely ceremony. I'm sure you're going to have a nice lunch afterwards. But being a godparent is a serious, lifelong vocation. Because this child is too young to speak for herself, 
it will be your job in conjunction with the parents, in conjunction with the church community, to help the child grow into the full stature of Christ. So later in the, ser- in the service, when I'm asking questions of the godparents and parents and indeed of the whole congregation, I hope that you will bear that in mind, that it's not just a lovely ceremony that we do here, but it's something meaningful, something that is, we're creating something. We are creating a new Christian. We are creating a new disciple of Christ. We are creating a new sister in Christ. And so we, like those disciples of old, go out into the world. We seek out the lost. We bring them the gospel of Christ And we join them to Christ's body, the church, through the waters of baptism in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.